0: The city of of lcmsu everyone who are you i am the chancellor yeah baby marcus (laughs) zill Ah. you think this is some kind of game joining me today in the student union reverend micah bauer the beautiful state of South Dakota and Brookings, South Dakota, Mount Calvary Lutheran Church, serving students at South Dakota State University. Go Jackrabbits. How are you doing today, Micah?
1: I'm doing great, Marcus. How are you?
0: Doing fantabulous. Ever since our Witness Conference last January, which is crazy, we've been going through this for a while, we've been kind of walking through some of the sectional topics that we had, and I asked you to, to give a sectional, and, and you came up with the title, Unfortunately, he's unchurched. And the second half of the title was? And Other Spineless Sentiments About the Damned. Okay. Tell us about this, and how did you come up with a title like that? Give us the backstory. Mm -hmm. So
1: the conference revolved around
0: um, this this
1: everyone has witnessed curriculum, excellent curriculum, that the Synod um, has recently put out. Um, Wonderful stuff. Pastor Mark Wood, um, he, he he wrote the book, and he was there being our keynote speaker as well. And so, and so, as I was um, working through this curriculum with, with uh, various groups in our congregation, um, something that I noticed uh, was the language that that people tend to use when speaking about unbelievers. Hmm. There, there's this tendency to to use um, some sort of softened language um, in order to. It, it kind of takes the edge off of, of the true situation, and, and that bothers me as a pastor. So, so sometimes um, we use terms, even, even like even the term unchurched, That 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 sounds like um, someone who's unchurched, It sounds like they they're not in church on Sunday, but rather maybe they're they're at the gym or they're running. You know, I always see people running or biking uh, Sunday mornings, and that's and that's um, how they get their Sunday morning thing on, whatever that is. And so, the, and so, the term unchurch—it sounds like that's the difference between them—is that we have one place to go on Sunday mornings, and they have somewhere else where they get a similar kind of fulfillment. And that just doesn't get at the real situation of, of um, to put it bluntly, salvation and damnation. Not that it's based in church attendance per se, but it's based in the faith. And so, and so, no, I, I want to, to help not, us.
0: We're reminded to not give up meeting. Uh, together and so it, it kinda takes the edge off of somebody can be unchurched. It's like, well, yeah, I'm a Christian but I'm unchurched. Or he's a Christian but, right, but right. he just happens to be unchurched. As if that's a good well, thing.
1: And, I, and, and I and I don't think that, that unchurched is a term that 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 the people would use of themselves. I think that's a term that that, that we apply to them. And that's and and that's um and, and so I wanted to focus on on this on, on what language should we use when speaking of of unbelievers, okay. um, and so um, Scripture and the Confessions have, have have different ways of speaking about unbelievers um, compared compared to what we have.
0: Now, you used an, an example. Of, give us an example of an individual that somebody might know, say a student. Uh, I think is I think you used the example of Bob. Tell us about Bob and mm-hmm. how that might fit into this to kind of give us an idea of how this might work and how we might. Sure. So, so you know, Bob. Bob's the guy in your class. Bob's one of your buddies.
1: Um, Bob's a great guy. He's a really nice guy. Um, whether he grew up in church or not, it isn't really clear. Uh, he doesn't. He sure doesn't seem to to care right now. Doesn't you know? Doesn't appear to be. Um, doesn't appear to be a believer. Um, certainly doesn't seem to be an active Christian or go to church or these sorts of things. Um and so man it, it it sure would be good if Bob would would be a Christian if he would um if he would actually believe if he would actually care if he would actually go to church do these sorts of things but you know it, it it's just kind of a shame that he doesn't you know unfortunately he's unchurched
0: and that happens a lot you know college students they run into people or when they start dating is the person you're dating a Christian well they're they're, they're kind of unchurched or they uh they're they believe but they you know they aren't active. Sometimes we speak of them, uh, there's some other terms we use too, like inactive and um, other mm-hmm. terms like that. Why do you think we get so skittish? Though, so before we get to the scripture and confessions, um, mm-hmm. with what it says about unbelievers, um, why do we, is there kind of an issue with like the privatization of our faith? Are we, everybody views faith as mm-hmm. it's such a personal thing. I mean, what, but why are we so skittish about how we use terms like this?
1: Well, so, so two reasons. I mean, part of it is that the, the privatization of faith, but what's really behind it, I think, are, are two things. One is that these are people that we know and, and care about. These are people that we love. And, and we, we can't bring ourselves to admit that the people that we love are, are, are just, they're, they're going to hell. We, we can't admit that, honestly, because uh, we care about them too much. We, we, can't, we can't be honest in that way with ourselves. And the other is that, is that faith is a hidden reality. It's not something that you can see and, and, and put your finger on per se. It, it manifests itself, but, but you can't exactly see someone's faith. And so what we often do is, is we will say that, well, faith must not be that important if my mom doesn't have it, for example. You know, cause I, I can't, I can't bring myself to admit that my mom is an unbeliever that she's actually lost and she doesn't know what life is all about and these sorts of realities. Right. And so I'll say that, well, faith, faith must just be kind of a Sunday morning thing. And 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 then and then we can use terms like like unchurched or that sort of thing to say, well, maybe she's just missing, you know, a little part of her life, and that's kind of a shame.
0: So it says a lot about, as much about us as it does about the individuals that we're referring to, that we're it certainly does. kind of scared and nervous about actually really addressing the reality that you know someone that i care about deeply is is an unbeliever and and unbelievers go to hell mm-hmm. uh, it's a lot easier to try to uh it also helps us uh, kind of you know when when we kind of cloud it with that kind of terminology it kind of gives us the uh, gives us the out to maybe not deal with it as uh as uh, quickly or as urgently as we maybe should,
1: right? So, so, so God uh, enables us to love, um, even as we get glimpses of how He loves. Where you know He enables us to do that as well, but we mishandle that love, and we take and we say that that love must not allow for things like loving someone.
0: So, um, when we think about it, you know, when our use of language. Um, if we soften up our language when we think about somebody that we love and is very close to us, of course we want them to be believers, or maybe they were believers, but softening our own language kind of gives us, uh, unintentionally, it kind of gives us an out to where we kind of feel, we don't feel the sense of urgency maybe to want to reach out to them.
1: It, it does. It, it makes it not not as pressing, not, not as urgent.
0: So... When we think about how our language governs our thoughts and, and, and this being so important, uh, what, what do the scriptures have to say um, about unbelievers? How do they use the language? Sure. So, um, so for example, from Ephesians 4.18, they are
1: darkened in their understanding, alienated, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And that language highlights this, this understanding that If you don't know God, you don't understand life. Hmm. If you don't know Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life, then you don't know what life is. You don't know the truth of the way that things really are. You're darkened in your understanding. Likewise, uh, Scripture speaks of of people as being lost, uh, of being condemned already. They're cowardly, faithless, detestable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, liars. Um, Their portion will be in the lake that burns. All this from Revelation 21. But along with this, Scripture also, in acknowledging the the, the real problem, it also um, acknowledges an actual solution to an actual problem. For God desires for all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Because currently, they don't have salvation, and they don't have the truth. And likewise, in Romans 3, as as Paul is, is quoting the Psalms, and he's saying... No one is righteous. No, not one. Together they've become worthless. They've all turned aside. Uh, No one does good. There's no fear of God in them. Um, And they're all held accountable to God. When Paul acknowledges that the severity of the problem, just like he's been doing for the first three chapters, then he's able to turn and say, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. And it goes on. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. There is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift, um, etc. And so, as Scripture is able to acknowledge the severity of a problem, it's also able to give us the severity, the intenseness, the intensity of the solution of Christ's death and resurrection for the forgiveness of our sins.
0: Because if, if
1: we're not really sinners, if our language doesn't allow for us to be sinners, then why why do we actually need Jesus? What is the problem?
0: You know, the, t- the tough thing it seems to me, and the hang up that we often have, and maybe this plays into why we soften our language up too, is because here we are sinful human flesh, ourselves, in need mm-hmm. of the very thing that we need to talk to others about. And so right. it's kind of like you know, the temptation is to say, well, you know, who the heck am I uh, when i'm mm-hmm. when i 'm sinful human flesh um, to uh to speak anything to anybody else I mean never mind the fact that uh, we have so so broken down the the communal nature of things that uh, people you know we become so fragmented in our society and culture that it's it 's kind of like you know um, you know my faith is my faith your faith is your faith leave me alone we're also scared to death aren't we uh, to to I mean don't we tend to be scared to want to witness because we realize our own our our own shortcomings and our own sinful sinful flesh?
1: You know, and that definitely is part of it as well. Um, but, but but that leads us to another problem: is that when we think about witnessing, so so so, so when, when a Christian um, uh, thinks about witnessing or or evangelism oftentimes what they think about is is themselves their their lack of desire to do it if they're honest with themselves their their inability to do it they, they don't know how to do it they don't know the message the strategies or or whatever other excuses they might give so so when Christians think about uh, evangelism oftentimes what what happens is that they come up into this they, they, they hit this wall that they run into that that um, it, it, it seems overwhelming, and, just, and, it, and, it, and it can begin to prevent them from doing anything about it because they're thinking only about themselves. Whereas vocation teaches us to think about other people first.
0: Hmm. Okay, well, so when we think about the Scriptures, there's obviously God's Word is very clear about, about um, its own nomenclature and the need for us to, uh, to how to speak to unbelievers. Uh, what do the confessions, do the, do the confessions talk to this at all?
1: Yeah, so from the formula of Concord, for example, um, from the second article, likewise, we believe, teach, and confess that the unregenerated human will is not only turned away from God, but it's also become God's enemy, that it has only the desire and the will to do evil and whatever is opposed to God. And, and 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 this it, it goes on but it talks about how not not only are are people uh not only, not only are unbelievers you know neutral in some sense that they're kind of missing something but you no know, they're actually turned away from god they're actually god's enemy they actually rebel against him and oppose him naturally and this is all of us by default that this is original sin True. that by default everybody despises god and his word and so and so let's at least acknowledge this with our language and let let's let's try to allow ourselves to think this way so that we can consider the actual answer of the gospel because otherwise we're stuck with, with with soft language that that makes us think that it's not really a problem that it's not as bad as it
0: could sound you know we almost seem to want to put people God puts people into two categories um, you know you're you're regenerated or you're not you're saved or you're not you're a believer or you're not right but we mm-hmm. we tend to mm-hmm. want to have a third category it seems to me that uh well you know okay I'm, you have believers you have unbelievers and then you have this vast mushy middle that who who knows god's right. god's word doesn't speak that way and mm-hmm. it's almost like we've created this you know but let's let's get let's get let's get practical here because especially for our students on campus and others obviously you can't just walk up to somebody and say you know They will accuse us of being preachy and being hypocrites and all that, almost regardless of how we do it. But you also just can't walk up and say, you know, hi, I'm Micah. Bob, you're going to hell. You know, you're going to hell. And I am, you know, how do we do this? Obviously, we understand the the severity of what's at stake here by the language that the scriptures and the confessions use. And we have Mm -hmm. to keep that in mind but how do we take that information and translate that into how i actually talk to bob um, when i do mm-hmm. talk to him hopefully
1: yeah so so pretty much every college campus has you know that that guy who who makes his rounds different campuses and then he he stands at a corner and he's got his sign and he's yelling <laughs> right right and and he's and he's often you know quoting scripture that to do things but he's he's starting with the assumption that everyone is his enemy in a sense and one of the things that I love about, about everyone who's witnessed is that it assumes that you're not talking to strangers it assumes that you know the people that you're talking with it, it assumes that you love and care people about the people in your lives and this is, this is why you're concerned for them this is why you want to actually give them the gospel, it's because you care, because you know them and you care
0: well, wow, and so, and so if I could just interject that, that is brilliant. Um, the, uh, yeah, every, I've been on enough college campuses to see that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to counsel um, and console um, young, especially young gals who, you know, the pastor I ran, I was uh, just walking to class and some guy's in my face telling me I'm, I'm going to hell and he didn't even know me. How does he know I'm right. going to hell? And I tried to tell him, look, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I go to such and such. It doesn't matter. Repent, you know. He just, you know, right. The motivation of of speak. I mean, you're right. The, uh, the there's plenty to do to instead of just throwing out this broad net that everybody's going to hell. To start with those that you do know and care about. It also bespeaks that if you don't know somebody. You can't just show up and and start yelling at them. You actually need to get to know them so that you develop a relationship, so that you and not only do you care about them, but they know that you care about them. It seems to me that would help disarm a lot of the a lot of the angst that someone might have to listen to you.
1: Right, and and, and so this language in scripture and our confessions, while it is sharp language, it, it absolutely is. It's not necessarily what you're going to quote to. The, to, to the people that you know and love, at least not just yet. There is a time and a place um, to be harsh and blunt about it, um, you know, for, for people whose consciences are, are secure or unburdened or they're seared. You know, there is a time and a place for that sharp law. But but this language, first and foremost, informs us in the way that we think and in the way that we speak together as Christians, More more so than it does the people
0: who are on the outside. So how might you talk to Bob? I have
1: real reason to be concerned for Bob. I I know that while his life may look great, it may look glamorous even, I know that, that he's hurting. I know that he doesn't know the truth about the way that things really are. He thinks that life is about something that's actually just a lie. He doesn't know Jesus. So he doesn't know... The reason that we're all here—it's not only that he doesn't have eternal life, you know, in eternity as a future sort of a thing. He doesn't have life now. He's alive, but he's a walking corpse. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how Ephesians uh, chapter two talks about us. Um, that we were, that we were dead in our trespassing sins, but God made us alive together in Christ Jesus. Um, and so, as I talked about. I've got a real reason to be concerned, and and it's urgent as well, because I know what his current condition is. You know, our language tells us that. And I also know where that's going to lead for him. And I care about him too much to just leave him um, with with an uncertain ending in his mind.
0: It seems to me the devil has... uh tempted us to believe you know just kind of we spend our lives going along doing our thing going to our houses we watch our little tv shows we you know we kind of stay you know the whole privatization of things again Mm -hmm. the last thing that satan wants us to do is to actually you know be in bob's life he wants us to be absorbed with our own life because then we're not focused on bob um Mm -hmm but it seems to me that the the number one thing that we have to remember is that witnessing really begins with what God has done for for me and where I'm receiving Christ's gifts. If I'm not being fed and fueled, I not only have nothing to share with Bob, but I probably don't care as much myself. Um right. so it seems to me that uh you know when we talk about the uh witnessing really and vocationally flowing from the divine service, does it not? Absolutely. So, so scripture, scripture
1: reveals me. It, it, it reveals who I am. It's not about me, but it's, it's for me. And so Scripture tells me that I was lost and condemned. I am this person. I, I was darkened to my understanding. I didn't know the way that things really are. I was disobedient. I rejected God. I rebelled against God. But now God has saved me. God has changed who I am fundamentally. He's given me life in a way that I thought I had before, but I was totally mistaken. He's given me his Holy Spirit that I might actually see the way things are as as the Spirit works through the Word of God to enlighten us. And all this flows from the divine service where where we hear God's Word and receive his sacrament, which changes us as people. It's words, but it's not just words. It's words with the power of God that changes who we are. It acknowledges who we are, even as we begin the divine service, by confessing, I am a poor, miserable sinner. And then the pastor turns around and forgives us of all our sins. He acknowledges our our, our sins just as we confess them. He doesn't deny them, just as we ought not to deny the sinfulness of, of the people that we know and love who are unbelievers but then he turns around and forgives us. And so we are given this language as well as the church, as Christ's church, to go and 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 forgive the sins of the people that we love as well. This is language with power. It it taps into objective realities.
0: But I don't know, pastor, um it's scary. <laughs> you know what if what if Bob it does it, what if I care about Bob, but what if what if Bob gets angry and shuns me and doesn't talk to me again? even No matter how kind I, I try to approach him and, and want to talk to him about these things.
1: And by default,
0: he absolutely will.
1: By default, we all despise God and his word. You know, that's the doctrine of original sin. By default, Bob is going to hate you because that's who he is. That's who you were as well. But then the word of God comes to us through our own lips, through 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 the speaking of the gospel, through through scripture, uh, through hearing, and the Holy Spirit whispers to us, it's all true, and it's all, it's all for you. And he makes us believe that these promises are true. Mm. Both the condemnation and then the promises are true for us. And it's only through the preaching of the word that that's going to happen.
0: Well... <laughs> Micah, thank you for uh, putting this on the table for us today. Lots to think about here, not only in terms of um, of how we uh, think about the importance of witnessing to others, but really what's at stake here and our, our own need to continue to be receiving Christ's gifts so that we not only are, have the desire, but are also equipped to speak to others that we love about. And so um, anyways, thank you for uh, helping us think through how, my, how we might uh, seek out and reach out to, uh, to those bobs that we know in our life. Thanks a lot for joining us. <music> like uh, your opinion man you understand what i'm saying well that's all we have time for here today in the student union check out the archives of this program at kfu.org learn more about lcmsu at lcmsu.org and remember college is tough you need jesus we'll help